I mean, I'm just ready for vacation right now. What's up, guys? You are listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. I'm Gabriel. You can find me on social media at WG on TV. I'm joined by the all WCW, by the way, Miss Kayla Beatty. Hey, G. Hey, fight fans. My, you can find me at fangirl underscore MMA. Gee, I was just thinking today, I'm so envious and jealous of everyone in Hawaii. I looked in the mirror and I feel a little pale. I could use some sun. But that's okay. We'll just watch from home. Exactly. Hey, remember, we have the best seat in the house. We don't got to pay for parking. We don't got to (laughs) buy expensive Hawaiian food. We live by the beach, relatively speaking. We can we can adjust. But yeah, guys, I mean, this week's episode, Island Jams, which you guys are probably going to figure out. We're going to be talking about a lot of Hawaiians and Hawaiian events on today's episode. But Kayla, I am so excited. We are in the heart of December. The, um, the music is joyful and triumphant. The Batmobile has not lost a wheel. The Joker didn't get away. Um, I think that this Christmas will be a very special Christmas indeed for me. Um, I'm trying to think of as many puns as possible right now. (laughs) Do you have any? Um, no, I don't have any Christmas puns prepared. Okay. All right. Well, let's talk about it. Let's get the main story right to it. UFC 231 from Toronto, Canada. The fight between Max Holloway and Brian Ortega. Kayla, usually I let you go first, but I'm too excited. I want to get it started. Um, talking about this fight, obviously a lot of people had it as a pick fight. Brian Holloway. You know, yes, he's fantastic, but coming off the injuries and the illness or whatever took him out of July and everything else, there was a lot of question about even if Max is okay, is he going to be as good as he was last year when he was just on a tear? Kayla, I don't think anybody expected that fight to be so one-sided, and I think that is the meat and potatoes at the end. Brian Ortega was a dangerous guy. He's got knockout power. He's probably about the bigger than Max. And we know about his jujitsu. And Max completely shut him down for 20 minutes. Did enough damage that the doctor stopped it before the fifth. It was just incredible. I could not believe how good he looked in that fight. I think that's just the thing that stood out to me. What about yeah, you? I, you know, I was a little disappointed that it wasn't a more competitive fight like a lot of us thought would happen. But at the same time, if that means that we got to see that Max Holloway came back that strong as a champion with, you know, maybe the a little bit less time for recovery uh, that everyone was like hoping he'd get and that they were concerned about. He, like you said, shot down any um, concerns that we had. He looked amazing. You know, everyone wants to talk about Brian Ortega's heart, and I definitely saw that in there. But when I saw the statistics that he took 307 significant strikes, I I think my dad did the math. That's like 
two punches per like uh two seconds or something like that like every whatever the statistics are for the first round like max was just firing away and the fact that brian ortega took all that damage now i'm concerned that brian ortega needs more recovery time before he comes back because to be hit with that many you know significant strikes and take that much damage i mean the heart was there the toughness was there i do think he'll come back strong from this loss um but yeah i mean max holloway like you know, he's, he's a dominant champion and he's really building his legacy. And I think what's so exciting is both these guys are still so young too. So we're only going to see more and more amazing fights from both guys. Yeah. I mean, I'm not worried about Brian. Like you said, he's a young guy. Um, he has his Instagram girlfriend, Claudia Gadea, who I'm sure they consoled each other in a cold night in Toronto. Um, but no, all, all joking aside, I think that he's got a lot of, I think that he's, um, look, he's only going to get better from this. He's going to obviously work on, you know, probably incorporating more wrestling, obviously improving his striking, not just the boxing, but probably some kicks. I noticed he really didn't go for any kicks and I think maybe that could have changed the game. But look, I mean, people were thinking like even a good Max Holloway, is going to be, you know, pushed to the limit against Brian. And I think we were just treated to display that, let's just say like it is, Max's talent as a striker in terms of his footwork, his hands and his head movement, it's it, it's up there. We're starting, like we just said, we're starting to talk about all-time great level talent out of Max Holloway, which maybe, you know, because we knew him as the young guy, um, like youngest on the UFC roster once upon a time, the fact that it's taken time to develop, maybe that's why people didn't think he could be that good. But I think he's made believers out of everybody, safe to say. Um, moving forward, Kayla. So Hinato Moikano was supposed to be the quote-unquote backup. I know they just announced earlier today that Moikano is fighting Jose Aldo in February. People have been throwing out Frankie Edgar, that one fight that Max just hasn't been able to get under his belt, no matter how hard he's tried. Um, let me toss out, or of course, the elephant in the room, moving up to 155, super fight, Tony Ferguson, Habib Nurmagomedov. What do you think is next for the best? Who is yeah, best? I mean, I think that um, he has his impressive um, winning streak and that he's fought a lot of these, uh, you know, top guys in the division i know frankie edgar i think wants to play back um because he says that he kind of lost out on that title shot that was his because he took that extra fight um but i i think it really just depends what the champ wants i think that when everyone's asking for these super fights and moving up and becoming two division um you know champions if max wants to throw that out there i think he's a more decorated champion to actually get one of those opportunities. So if he wants to test himself against someone that'll get him, get him a big payday or throw out that he thinks he could fight against, uh, you know, Khabib, then I say, give him that. Yeah. To me, um, it's, I want what Max wants. And I think right now what Max wants is a few more fights at 145. I think, uh, I don't know why, but I'm going to just say it. It sounds like he feels like his work isn't done yet. If I'm being honest, though, Kayla, I feel like the Frankie Edgar fight, I was more excited about it before the Brian Ortega loss. 
And if we're just being honest, if you do that to Brian Ortega, who just blitzed Frankie, I know MMA math, we shouldn't follow it, but I almost feel like Frankie Edgar would be a step back for Max Holloway. Even if, you know, you put it on the Hawaiian Islands or what have you, it just doesn't fire me up. And part of that is because Frankie Edgar also didn't really blow me away against Cub mm-hmm. Swanson. Yes, it was good, but it was very workmanlike. And then that's a really tough spot because at 155, I want to see Max, but I think we still need to sort it out. You still need to see Habib versus Tony, in my opinion, before you start talking about that. So I think that personally is what needs to happen. I think that Max, I think that Max needs to just figure out what he wants. If he wants to take a long layoff and maybe wait for Moicano, if Moicano beats Jose Aldo. Or, you know, let's see where we're at in about six months. You know, does Zabit get a good fight in? And maybe we're talking about that or, you know, what have you. Maybe Chad Mendez and Frank Yedger, something. But I don't think that, you know, it's just, hey, just sign the fight with Frank Yedger right away. I do feel like they can wait for a bigger opportunity if you're Max. Moving on to the co-main event, Valentina Shevchenko versus Joanna Jonjejcik. I give myself a quarter every time I pronounce it correctly. <laughs> um, Kayla, this is one, a lot of people, once again, back and forth. The truth is, a lot of people, you know, that was a little more one-sided than I think even the most uh, optimistic Valentina fans expected it to be. What were your thoughts on the fight? Yeah, I actually didn't watch this one. I just caught the highlights um, because from what I've heard, it was very one-sided um, as far as just someone, you know, not fighting and maybe her, her natural weight class. And I think that it's great that Valentina had like an awesome win to, you know, finally get a, a belt around um, her waist and, and be, be a champion. But I think that this is why, though when everyone was excited about this fight thinking it was going to be super competitive I've kind of always felt like it was a little silly to make this fight um I just think that there's plenty more natural 125ers in that division that could have given us something more competitive and I think the main reason why I didn't watch it is I I've read nothing on Twitter and Instagram except for oh my God, I'm not even going to watch the co-main event. Like the main event better bring it to make up for this co-main event. And it's like, what did you all expect? So um, I think that this was kind of just hopefully a learning experience that just because someone's popular doesn't mean that they're someone who should get a first shot at a title. I think to me it was about the pedigree. I feel like, you know, you got to remember that a year ago, we were talking about one win over Rose Namajunas, and Joanna's probably moving up anyway. So I feel like it was always the fight that would happen. Um, if I'm being honest, I didn't expect the physicality to sway so far for Valentina. I really, and when you watch the fight back um, or watch highlights or, you know, when you, you know, do watch it, Kayla, You'll see, even in replays, Joanna lands plenty of good hits. Good knees to the body. She gets her jab going. She catches her with some kicks, some good shots to the head. Really, Valentina just powered right on through it. And I really think that you just have to acknowledge the fact that Joanna, um, you know, talking about it, straw weight moving up compared to a bantam weight moving down, she was always going to have to be perfect in that one. And I think that Joanna's 
skill wise, she is a lot better than a lot of the girls that might be familiar with. But I think that we were just given a very, you know, bit of a reality check that Valentina really is a different kind of beast at 125. And maybe that's where the belief was. I think that people, because she just blitzed her opponent in Brazil earlier this year, they weren't as hyped. Like, of course, she's going to run through this girl. You know, we didn't really see it. I think that this performance, you really did see just how powerful Shevchenko is. And as good as Joanna was, I think the Joanna fought a good fight. She just did not have an answer for it. She could not hurt Valentina, which, of course, sets us up, Miss Kayla Beatty. There are, of course, several flyweight contenders. Jessica I obviously beat Caitlin Chikagian earlier in the night. And we know that women like Liz Carmouche just got booked. But what do you think is next for the new champion? Um, I think that it really comes down to how they want to develop the flyweight. I think that they have a lot of catching up to do because Bellator clearly is building its stars with booking good fights. And I think it just comes down to them continually to like book the best competition to kind of weed out and figure out who really is in that top five. So I think that the champ should kind of sit back and let this division develop. Because I think, too, like, you know, going back to it, when we were talking about Ioana moving up, this is when Nico was champion. Valentina's been fighting. Yep. She's been fighting, you know, um, bigger bigger girls and fighting in a division that she didn't feel like was her natural one. So now that she has shown us that she's, you know, got her belt and plans to stay there, and I think the consensus is that she's going to be tough to beat, um, we just have to see who that top person is. So I think that... um it's just, I think she should sit back and wait and see which girls kind of develop into that top five. Yeah, I think the UFC, it's a little perplexing, to be honest, because we talked about it. When you talk about the flyweight sweepstakes, they got everybody. They got Jennifer Maya, who is the Invicta champion. You had easily the biggest free agent who could go between. You have Andrea KGB Lee, who is very popular. It's like, you know, if you want to talk about the biggest names that are not already under Bellator contract, the UFC got them and got them quick. The fact that there have been so few flyweight fights, it's been still a lot of focus on a lot of the Ultimate Fighter alumni, has been surprising to me. And that's not to say that those girls aren't great. Montana De La Rosa stands out to me personally. But I think that um, I, I really just want to see more fights. I do think that uh, because they made the Liz Carmouche booking that Jessica I, just by sake of elimination, is probably going to get it. Now, that's not to say that something can't happen. I think it really depends on the calendar. If Valentina really wants to fight sooner, there is a good chance that we see Jessica, you know, just get that nod. I think that Liz Carmouche with the win, as I think she's kind of been knocking on the door. Um, personally, she had the win over Caitlin Chukagian. Um, and I think she's it's beat just Valentina. Been... Yes, that is true. Pre-UFC, she's also been Valentina. Um, I think that she's kind of been ready. I think that she kind of took the fight because, you know, it was better than possibly waiting until, you know, late spring for the fight. So I think it depends on the calendar. But I think that right now, Jessica, I just kind of got ahead because Caitlin Chukagian was on mm -hmm. a nice run. Well, Liz Carmouche is right there with the victory. I think that, yeah, um, I mean, the thing is, there's you know, a few it depends girls, on the calendar, whether they get There's a few girls that have an argument here of who's, 
who's been fighting for a while, who, like you said, has kind of been developing um, just buzz. But I think those are the girls should that should get it. And, you know, not to say that Andrea Lee hasn't been obviously building buzz around just women's MMA, but I just think that people like that who just were newly signed, I think that they just have a couple more fights that I'd like to see instead of having these people that have been around for a while keep kind of, you know, just getting pushed to the sidelines. Yeah, and I think it comes down to just Andrea Lee has only fought once in UFC, and um, look, you take the body of work into account. She is a flyweight who has been fighting flyweights, but at the same time, it's like, we kind of need to see you. And now, look, I am aware of the stuff that happened in her personal life. I don't want to sound like an idiot and have our listeners like, don't you remember? I do. But at the same time, when you look at big picture, fans, even if you're not a hardcore fan of MMA and know what happened with her, she's been absent. And at the end of the day, that does have an effect on your marketability. So that's just the picture where it's at right now. But I agree with you. These girls have kind of, finally work their way in there even with Sayer Eubanks moving up I think it just makes it even more clear that those two women are the ones who should be contending for the title but Kayla it was a lot of fun stuff I implore everybody to watch the fight between Tiago Santos and Jimmy Manoa Kayla my face hurt <laughs> yeah, watching sure. that one it was cr- it was crazy. I enjoyed it. Um, a lot of good stuff on the main card. Gunnar Nelson, nasty, broke the record, I think, for submissions in the weight class with the win over Cowboy. Good stuff in Toronto. But, Kayla, we are going to be going a little bit of everywhere. Our top news story, this one updated today. TJ Dillashaw versus Henry Cejudo moved from UFC 233 in Anaheim to ESPN Plus, number one, the debut in Brooklyn. And as a result, the UFC has not been able to find a replacement main event. And because that's a pay-per-view, the UFC is actually deciding to cancel that event. They are going to reschedule all the fights on the card um, because they just don't have a good fight, you know, to put that would be able to sell. Um, Kayla, what are your thoughts on the news? Because this one... It's a little, I'm not going to lie, it's a little unexpected. Yeah, I mean, I know they're really trying to build up that first inaugural ESPN um, deal debut. Um, So if they want, you know, a big super fight on it or a title fight on there, then this makes sense. I think it is also interesting, too. I know there was a lot going on that weekend just in combat sports all around. So it might've also been a smart business move of like, Hey, why even try to compete with all the other events going on either that weekend or the weekend previous. Um, so I don't know. It sounds like it's more of them just kind of deciding to make a smart business move. Um, it sucks because obviously we were looking forward to a fight being close to us on the West coast, but it, it makes sense. Right. Yeah, I, to me, I felt the same thing. I mean, I think that uh, because they kind of were trying to feel things out for the ES- ESPN Plus, I think they realized, look, you know, ESPN has been waiting on us. We, I'm sure there was a lot of network pressure to like, hey, you got to give us a better fight than whatever you guys have in the book. You're giving that big fight to Anaheim. 
So I think that was a more of a show of good faith. And I think what stands out to me, I read something that you have, as soon as they kick off on that January 19 card, they're going to have, a, well, before it was 11, now it's 10, but they are going to have, you know, essentially 10 weeks of consecutive fights, like 10 weeks, 10 Saturdays booked of fight cards that, you know, let's be honest. I think the UFC feels like, we can we can find you know we can figure this out you know we're already moved we're, they already announced that TJ Henry was off so I think it just made sense that they were like look we're gonna cut our losses etc cetera, etc cetera. um we'll be back they always do a California card anyway so I agree with you I think they just dis- looked at their numbers and were like this is one we can sacrifice for the greater good and look. If ESPN, they get so many numbers off of that first show, then the move pays itself off, essentially. Yeah. So that's I how I feel about it. I think those fighters rescheduled, like, if this is the, the debut on ESPN and you're at least joining that card in, in um, at the Barclays Center or, like you said, one of the following cards, it, you're, you're going to be seen. It's going to be something new that people will tune into. So I'm sure that most of the people weren't super disappointed but like you said like going through camp and stuff it um could be a bummer but it happens exactly and also there's still several weeks out there's still a little more than a month out so hopefully that helps that they get within that three-week range so it's not too bad on the prep but look it's a fine science you know it's something i i feel for the fighters but you know it's business and i feel like this one in terms of faux pas, this is not the worst one we've seen. And I think that's something to be grateful for. Moving on, our next news story. Darian Caldwell, the Bellator Bantamweight champion, is moving to face Kyoji Horiguchi in Ryzen in Japan on New Year's Eve. Kayla, Scott Coker says that he expects a lot more crossover in the future. He says if Darian wins the title over there, that Darian will even defend the title in Japan, not just bring it to America and he only defends the Bellator title. So really quite the move. They're also the co-main event to this fight you might have heard of between Floyd Mayweather and Tenshin Nasukawa. But Kayla, following that up, 1FC also announces a new American broadcast deal. They're, they made a deal with Turner Sports, which means they will air events on the Bleacher Report app. A lot of people probably know it because they had that, let's say it, it's a train wreck of a pay-per-view with Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson. But they will also have original content about one airing on TV on TNT. So the Asian companies making huge moves. This one is really big. Um, Let me start with Bellator. That way we can give ourselves time to talk about the big implications. What do you think about Bellator sending one of their champions to Ryzen? Yeah, I mean, I think it's cool for fighters because it's just giving them more opportunities to fight more often, fight bigger paydays, get more exposure. Um, I think that this is something that fighters have suggested to people like Scott Coker and Dana White and, um, you know, other promotions of, why can't we kind of all jump around? And it's nice to see that people are trying new things. I'm a little confused because last I had read, I thought that the Mayweather and Nasukawa fight was going to be kind of just a smaller, um, non-televised 
match? Wasn't it supposed to be something like an exhibit fight? Uh, from what I've read, it's all happening at the same night. Maybe it may not be broadcast the same way. Like, let's say that, you know, official broadcast ends after the Darien fight and then the exhibition is smaller or maybe it's only in-house. But that whole event leads up to it is, is what I understand. Yeah, I mean, I think that that just sounds kind of confusing. Um, but luckily, I don't have any interest to go to that fight night and figure out what the actual ticket cost if you want to stay for the main event or just stay for the card leading up to it I don't know um but I think it's cool I think it's cool that people are getting um opportunities to jump around and um as far as one FC you know having the broadcast deal I just think that it's showing that MMA is continuing to be a worldwide sport continuing to kind of um move into the mainstream and there's a lot of things that I think companies like 1FC are doing right that I like that we're getting more of an influence of that over into the States because I think that they kind of have their style of how they put on shows and how they conduct shows. And I know that there's some people that are a little frustrated with the way that the UFC has gone and how, or just how some companies are going more towards the entertainment side so I think just to kind of get opportunities to view all sorts of different MMA is never a bad thing but I know I have a lot of people that I'm friends with in um, Europe that are saying what about us when are we going to get to see everything at appropriate timing you guys get a lot of UFC events in Europe that's the that's the payoff (laughs) no but um uh, the way I, let me start with Bellator. I think that the one thing that Scott Coker has always been good at doing since he was in Strike Force is he is good at doing the things that UFC isn't doing. He knows that UFC is that brand, it's the Starbucks. So he gives you just about everything else that Starbucks doesn't give you. And that means crossover events, that means tournaments. He, you know, all that good stuff, you know, he has never been afraid to do it. Remember that Bellator had their flyweight champion before UFC. Um, I do think it was always going to come at the same time anyway, but, you know, I'm going to give it credit. He did. He was the first one to land on the moon. But um, all that considered, I do think that Darian Caldwell is, let's be honest, he's kind of a safe choice to the love that TJ Dillashaw is going to or an Alima definitely not Gegar Musasi or Rory so I think that you know having him be a two promotion champion possibly I think that's exactly what Darian Caldwell needs to finally get attention in Bellator because he's had a very just under the radar kind of run even since winning the belt and defending it so I do think that that you know, it's not just pick a champion and send them over. I think they were being very, you know, very logical with who they decided to risk. Because remember, Horiguchi technically can become the Bellator champion now. And then you have that kind of uh, disconnect, so to speak. And then with, you know, now let's talk about Asia and the moves they're making. One, Ryzen, uh, obviously they're going to close the year big and open the year big. But Kayla, I've been trying very hard, and I even made a note of this so you know it's coming. The way I compare it for people is that you got to think about TV. 
every network, every channel has their cop show or their medical drama or their maybe a singing show, reality competition, et cetera, et cetera. And let's be honest, cop show is law F and order. You know, not every show reaches those heights, et cetera, et cetera. Medical drama, pick your favorite. Not all of them reach that point. That does it. But let's be honest. Every year, every channel still makes sure they have their cop show and their medical drama. I really do think it's the same thing with MMA. Yes, UFC is the law and order, long running. Everyone knows how it works. But all these networks make money on their shows, respectively, that it is still a profit. It is still worth having. I do believe it's the same thing with MMA, whether you're Bellator or this is why one FC isn't afraid to be in the market in America, PFL, um, other, you know, other companies, Combate Americas, all of these companies are not afraid to try to be on TV and compete. Why? Because it's not about beating UFC. It's not about being the Starbucks. It's about putting a show on that makes you money and builds good fights. That's what one FC is doing. I think that, it is great that they're jumping in. I assume they're going to really push it on Turner, which already is home to UFC or sorry, already home to NBA on TNT. So I do think that this is just a good move. I think that honestly, they are playing a business game that when you look at it big picture, there really is enough pie now to go around in MMA that I'm very happy with them coming to America. Exciting stuff for 2019. I'm not going to lie. I'm a little tired after that. Kayla, what? okay, Kayla, introduce the next one. I'm a little tired. I got a little more amped up about it than I thought I would be. <laughs> um, the next thing you want to discuss, well, one, um, we have a big weekend for Bellator making its way over to Hawaii, Hawaii. Um, and you actually got to speak yep. with one of the fighters, the champ, Alima McFarland's previous opponent, Alejandra Lara. She, I know you have built a nice relationship with Alejandra. Um, she won our hearts over on the last press week, and you were able to catch up with her before her fight this Saturday. She'll be on the same card against Juliana Velasquez. Why don't you tell us a little bit about um, what she's been up to after her loss? Yeah, well, she went back to Mexico to train. And I think the biggest thing um, about Alejandra, she really does have one of those magnetic personalities. Um, One of the things I noticed when I actually do video interviews with her is that she will have this way of looking at the camera when you're not even watching it. She just knows she's going to be on. And, you know, I don't leave it in the videos because obviously it's not, you know, part of the interview, but she really is quite the character. And I think the thing about it is that she really is, um, she's aware of her age. She's only 23 years old. And one of the things we really talked about is that she is aware that she's not done growing. She really does feel like improving. She talked about being very passionate about her team in Latin America. And, you know, she says, yeah, I know that there are, you know, there's a lot of attention in the United States, but. I think that you, when you do that, because people talk about growing the sport in Colombia and other countries, she says, if everyone keeps going to the United States, they're never going to grow here. And we do have a lot of very smart, talented, athletically dangerous fighters 
that if we all pool our resources together, we can really grow this thing. And she really does firmly believe that. And that's the, really the biggest thing. She is not done growing. She appreciates all the love that she's gotten. And she really put it in perspective to say, you know, I'm very young. The loss to Alima, I'm very proud of it, even though a lot of people felt it was one-sided. So she had a really good head on her shoulders. But it's always very conceited because I always wonder, what did you get from it? Because it's one thing for me to be inside the interview. I was wondering about you when you read it, uh, Kayla. What did yeah, you Yeah, I mean, I like Alejandra. I like that um, she's bringing in more than just someone who's, you know, a gym rat and, and been competing and training in MMA. I like that she's very vocal about all of her other entertainment um abilities and and passions that she's bringing in and she is she does she has like you know she's 23 she has the whole world ahead of her um I think she handled everything very well with class I think I'm sure she really learned from um her last fight with Alima and just fighting for the title and fighting on you know on a main event and I think it's cool because I think she's going to Again, it's so the flyweight divisions in both UFC and Bellator are so exciting because we obviously have these talented, passionate girls there, and and they want to do big things. I like how much she talks about the pride for her country, very similar to Alima, and I'm excited. I've I've been a fan of her since the fight in Temecula, and I'm just excited to see how she performs and to see what she's learned since the last time we've seen her. Can I tell you something? Yes. <laughs> tell us something. Did you know that she can also? Did you know that she can also I sing? I didn't know. We didn't get her to sing in Temecula. She told me, and if you guys, when you see the interview, she did talk about you know at the time when she was really getting serious, she worked in a musical theater, and she also you know was part of a team that put on concerts, and she did say that. Technically, at the time when I was making the decision to fight, I had to choose between singing and training. So this is something I got to say, because everyone sees her. They see, you know, she's a very fit, very beautiful young woman. It says something, you know, how passionate she is about MMA. This is genuinely what she loves to do. And I think that when you have someone who clearly has all these options and interests and they are making this their profession, I think that that says something about their heart at the end of the day, because when you could do something else and you fight the way she does, and she has got so much heart, she's very tough to tap out. And she's talked about that. I think that that says something. And I think that's why a lot of people are big fans of Alejandra is that you recognize, you know, just that beast that's in there. You know, it's, it's like the wolf in sheep's clothing. I really think that she defines that. And, I always got to share that. It's like, you mean you could do that too? And you fight like that? I don't believe it. But, you know, so very fun. She is obviously going to be fighting on the same night as the first card we're going to talk about. And that is Bellator Hawaii. So there are two. I think the misconception is that technically Alima is fighting on Bellator Hawaii. Technically speaking, she's on Bellator 213. And they are calling this one Bellator Hawaii, if I'm not mistaken. And that's the card between Brent Primus and Michael Chandler. Uh, Kayla, we went over this a long time coming. A lot of things been said. Michael Chandler doesn't feel like he needs Brent. Brent kind of feels like he needs to put it away just to get people to stop talking to him about Michael Chandler. 
What are your thoughts on the fight? I mean, it's the one that we want to see, right? We, I don't personally like how their first fight um, came together and, and how, how it ended and um, how Brent became champion. I don't like that we haven't seen him since then. Um, I feel like if Michael Chandler, who's kind of uh, hinted around at maybe moving up or possibly leaving Bellator... I don't. I wanted to see this fight play back before any of that happened. So I'm just very, very excited to actually see this fight play through. And I'll be crossing my fingers and doing any other superstitious things to just hope that it's like a regular fight and doesn't have a funky ending like before. But I'm also worried too because okay, so- Seamus has had quite a bit of um, injuries and, and setbacks himself. Okay, so you want to know what you got to do. All right, sit down, get your paper out. So this is what you do, Kayla. When praying to the MMA gods, this is what you do. You get one of those tall candles like you get at the Mexican market, and you make sure it's the one with Brian Ortega's face photoshopped over Jesus when right. he has his hair down. And you, and, you know, you say things, and you, you know, you mention, you know, the Chuck Liddell with that look in his eye, Anthony Rumble Johnson when he was motivated, these mythological figures, you, you know, you mention them when you say it and then you wish for the health and success of the fighter. That's how you pray to the MMA gods 101. Um, in all seriousness, uh, Kayla, for me, when I, I watched the first fight back earlier today, Brent is a tall guy for 155, 5'10". I know that that might not seem like a lot, but when you look at the size of Michael Chandler at 5'8", and know he's a big guy, Brent is really big and powerful. That being said, I think that Michael, that, you know, uh, he's just not a guy who's very intimidated. And I think that at the end of the day, he fights with more physicality. I know that Brent is more of a well-rounded guy. He's got submissions and he's... Uh, you know, he's a powerful guy who's got knockouts, but I think that Michael Chandler is just going to, it's the same thing as last year, unless Brent Primus and all those injuries has really evolved his game. I think you have to expect that Michael Chandler is still just ahead of him and barring, you know, getting caught with something. I really do feel like it's Michael Chandler's to lose. Once again, I think that he's been motivated. I think they both want to get this out of the way and, they're going to fight a little harder because of that. And I think that favors Michael Chandler personally. So I've got Michael taking this one. Yeah, what about you? I have the same. I just think that, um, you know, I was a little more confident with Brent going into the first one. But I just think that what Michael's displayed in the last um, couple of times we've seen him since then. And, and then, you know, we've had a chance to speak with him, too. There's a lot of motivation behind him and and. You know, just seeing his Instagram posts of lo- alone about how he's been training. Um, that versus Brent, who seems to continue to have injuries come up and, you know, different family things going on and, and just a lot of setbacks. Um, I, I think I'm a little bit more confident that Michael Chandler gets gets his belt back. Yeah, and it's going to be interesting. That one airing on Paramount, but obviously the one everyone's waiting for the real debut in Hawaii behind the pineapple princess, Miss Alima McFarlane against Valerie Letourneau. So disclaimer, I am very aware 
that our own Kayla Beatty has trained jujitsu with Miss Alima, so I'm not going to ask you who's going to win. I know that Alima might take your neck off if you say anything <laughs> otherwise, regardless of how you feel. So why did you tell me how Alima is going to win? <laughs> well, you know, this fight's actually, to me, G, I really think that this is probably one of the more, I'm just going to say it, I think it's the most important fight in women's MMA for 2018. Um, oh, because okay. I just feel like these two ladies, again, just the way that Bellator has been able to kind of move forward with this division and really solidify, you know, the champ defending a couple of times and, you know, people like Christina Williams having that amazing fight against Valerie. Like there's just, there are more fighters that have kind of developed to where we were intrigued more with these storylines. Right. And the build up. And I think that this yep. is such a nice way to finish the year. And, you know, not only because she's, tra- she's taught me a little bit of jujitsu, but I really do like Alima's story too, about how- why she started MMA, how she's developed as a champion and I think it's, it really makes a statement that not only did Temecula with all the women on the main card actually like get pretty good views with Bellator, but the, enough to where they actually felt confident in having Alima fight back in Hawaii. I mean, that's a big deal to bring Bellator to Hawaii, knowing that UFC was thinking about doing it as well. So I just think that this is such an important fight for all of those reasons, but I am torn because I, you know, there's a soft spot spot for Valerie Letourneau after Temecula too. I mean, we got to speak with her all week and I really like what she's fighting for. Um, Even if I didn't train with, you know, with Alima and her teaching me some jujitsu, I I do feel like Valerie already kind of mentioned the retired word if she wasn't going to get a title shot next. So that kind of is a little yep. troublesome too. I mean, I'm sure if she won the title, she probably would get, um, you know, a new fire lit under her. But um, it's going to be a competitive fight. I mean, both girls are tough. One thing I can say, I obviously have had a little bit of insight of um, seeing just where Lima's training and stuff. She is. She's taking it very serious, um, knowing that she's had this opportunity to fight back home and all of the people behind her. And she's also been training along the likes of Liz Carmouche, who was kind of told to, to wait in the background in case the Valentina and Ioana fight didn't work out. So, you know, she's mm-hmm. training with strong women over there. And um, but I'm sure Valerie's, you know, she's training with the right people, too. So I think that this is going to be, um, I'd say, fight of, of the weekend because I think it's going to be that competitive. But what do you think, G? You know, one of the things, because uh, we've had Valentina on Saturday, and a week later we're going to have Lima. Look, uh, the differences are obvious. You know, they, they are obvious. We know that Valentina has a lot more um, experience and maybe your history in combat sports is up there. I don't think it's about that for Lima. <clears throat> and at the end of the day, I know that the big criticism is like, well, if Lima was in blah, 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 and, you know, look, you could say that about most people, to be honest. Um, I mean, people still say that about Gegard Musasi or Rory McDonald, and we all know how great those two are. So to have that with Alima, I kind of agree with you. It's not about this or that. For me, when I watch Alima, I really see a fighter who is developing. Mm-hmm. I think that she has taken full advantage of her uh, star power. And we're being honest, you know, look, you get there, 
by taking out these girls in the fashion she has. She keeps getting better. She keeps taking down people, you know, just like Aaron Pico or AJ McKee. The young guys, she's only, uh, I want to say she's still in her mm -hmm. mid-20s, right? She, yeah, she, the way that she's been able to put these women away in Bellator, who we know is developing the Christina Williams, the Bruna Ellens, Kate Jacksons, that just bodes well. And you know what? You know, so she has the title at a time when she's still developing. That doesn't take away from the fact that this is really one of the top girls. And when you incorporate her wrestling, and the improvements I really do predict she's going to make, that really, to me, is the big hook with Alima, and I'm really looking forward to that. Now, stylistically with Valerie, um, I, kinda, I agree with you. The fact that Valerie has kind of said, you know, if I didn't win, I probably would just hang it up because this is just too much for me not to be getting results anymore after I've been, you know, Look, she was fighting Joanna for the title 10 minutes before the night Holly Holm shocked the world. It's kind of hard to kind of go back to square one and be losing on small cards in front of small crowds again and still feel motivated. The fact that she is in the spot, though, I expect her to really go for it. That being said, I, I kind of question just the longevity and I kind of wonder like, hey, you know, is Valor does Valerie have the confidence you know, for 25 minutes that she's going to need because Alima's going to be tough. And I think that for me, the biggest thing is that as well-rounded as Valerie is, she still has to deal with the physicality of Alima, just like we talked about Joanna moving up. Valerie has never fought a Bantamweight, to my knowledge. She is someone who could make straw weight and moved up. I, have, I spoke with Alima a long time ago, and this is not a weight thing, but she just said, look, I am this height, I carry this muscle, no, I cannot make it to 115. Absolutely <laughs> not. You're going to be talking about physicality and size, just like Valentina versus Joanna. And when you incorporate the wrestling of Alima, that is going to be the big factor. I see her being able to wear down Valerie. I see her being able to check the kicks and get inside, clinch, just make her carry that weight. And I think for when you talk about 25 minutes, Alima has been there, and I think that when you talk about wrestling, she's going to be able to do that. It's just hands high and just really going to have to stay in her face. But I do see Alima just age, youth, size, all of that really bodes well for her and stylistically with the wrestling to get the job done. I know. You would think that I was training with Alima too, <laughs> don't you? Well, one thing, too, I know Alima's just said, um, you know, publicly that she really wants one of those bloody fights where her face is just covered in blood and it's like an all-out brawl. And uh, this might be it. <laughs> hey, be honest. Low-key, when she's in the gym, does she ever say, Kayla, I want you to know. You got to tell Gabriel he's my favorite no, reporter. No, because she's saying it He's just me. asked me the she's best. Saying... She, he asked me all the best questions. Maybe favorite I male feel like reporter. he really tells my story. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. It's okay, Kayla. We, hey, I won't tell anybody. <laughs> no, but um, look, uh, it's great. Um, I, we see her around just the Southern MMA scene, so that's why we kind of know her. You know, no disrespect to Valerie. She seems like a very nice woman and very fun to talk to. It's just, you know. When you see them everywhere, you kind of, you know, get to have a little mm -hmm. more fun. But somebody, okay, we don't have a horse in this race, so maybe we'll get more serious. UFC Milwaukee, the same night, notable, it is the final 
UFC on Fox card ever. Kayla, let me tell you something. I was at UFC on Fox 1. Cain Velasquez versus Junior Dos Santos. You've seen it. I have the poster up in my office. The fact that we are at the end of that really is crazy. I want to talk about it real quick. What do you think about just, I guess, that end of an era in general? Sorry, G, you cut out the end of what? The end of the era in general for Fox and UFC. Um, yeah, you know, I, it's it's definitely, um, I don't know. I mean, the thing is, is to me, I, I'm not surprised with just the way the world's going. We knew that there needed to be a streaming that streaming was coming in, in in all other areas, so it's not surprising to me that MMA is going to try and move with the trends, especially being a newer, um, <coughs> a newer sport. Um, and then, you know, yep. with the, the people that bought them out, um, you know, they kind of understand just how entertainment and TV and sports and, and putting on productions like this work, so... It is sad, but I just think that it, they're going with the times. What do you think? You know, I, what I remember about the UFC on Fox and being there, before I was media, by the way, this is when I just got to enjoy it stress-free. But um, I remember like, hey, you know, they're not going to be on Spike. And you were, you know, remember that they were airing during Sunday night football. And I remember it being very exciting. So to... You know, kind of remember that where they started on Spike and then, you know, now, I mean, like you just said, they're going to be streaming like you're going to get all your UFC events on your phone or unless you connect it to your um, to your TV or computer. The fact that, you know, just over time, you've seen that change. That is really crazy when you consider that this was one that was like, you know, niche everyone keeps using that word with it niche and it's like yeah i'm pretty sure this is niche anymore so the fact that we kind of got to see that during the course of the fox run it's pretty crazy because i remember how groundbreaking it was back then and it's really crazy to think that this saturday is the last one and they're gonna evolve again so to speak but of course we still have a very big fight and both of these men they don't care that it's the last card on Fox they care that they could be contenders in 2019 Kevin Lee Al Ayakinta Kayla what are your thoughts on this fight Oh man I mean it's definitely an exciting fight because of the personalities and skill sets of both men I do think this is going to be a competitive fight I love that Al Ayakinta has this resurgence of jumping in and saving the day to fight um, Habib Nurmagomedov and then wants to continue to fight back for a possible rematch or whatever happens in this division. And Kevin Lee still trucking along and and proving that he still deserves to be up there and discussed in the mess mixture that is the 155 division in UFC. (laughs) Yeah, to me, um, I think the biggest selling point is that Ally Akinta looks 10 times better after the fight with Habib and Connor because obviously he's saying, did you see me getting dominated like that by Habib? No, I gave him a tougher fight. He came out of that thing looking like a world beater even though he lost, you know, in May. So I think that that's the biggest selling point. 
Kevin Lee, I really feel like he's kind of grown into his own guy. Um, he really is one of the more dangerous guys at 155 with his wrestling, his youth and athleticism. Um, he's working on his striking. So this is a very big fight. Um, Kayla, I feel like Kevin Lee just has more weapons. Al has a good power. He's got decent wrestling. But I think that what Al does, Kevin Lee now does better. I know it's a rematch and Al Iaquinta, that one was a close fight. I don't know if people remember, but Kevin Lee controlled him on the ground in their first fight. And that was about six, seven years ago. I really do think that Kevin Lee has evolved. I think that this is going to be the perfect fight to showcase his skills where and how much he's improved. And I really do see him getting the job done. What about you? Yeah, I think so, too. I think that he's, um, you know, had more time to face some of the other top guys. And I like how I've seen him improve with each fight. So I'm predicting a win for Kevin Lee. Um, we haven't really even been making predictions of which round, G. We kind of forgot. Um, are we doing that or no? <laughs> Go ahead. Um, I think we're going to see a submission by Kevin Lee in round, I'd say round two. Round two? Mm-hmm. I'll go with what she said. <laughs> no, uh, I actually see, um, I'm not going to lie, Eli Aquinta is a tough guy. I think you, Kevin Lee is going to need a little more work. I see a TKO round three, personally. Okay. I have a question. How do you see, what round do you see Alima winning? <laughs> um, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say it's gonna be in the championship rounds. Um, I'll say four. What about you? Really? Maybe early five. I I predicted to win by knockout in the first All round. Right. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm totally going to tell Alima I believe in her more than you. <laughs> hey, that doesn't mean I don't believe in her. That means that I want to see her have a really fun, competitive, cool fight. If you win too soon, then it's not as fun sometimes. You mean you want her to get beat up? She oh wants a God. bloody fight. That's the aid. Hey, they all say she wants a Max Holloway moment. <laughs> it's okay. She's going to see you and be like, Gabriel thought I would win quickly and you thought I would I was going to be given trouble <laughs> pun intended <laughs> she's going to be like Kayla this is why Gabriel's my favorite oh, <laughs> I'm sorry we've been there so guys I'm sorry we were off the air last week Kayla knows I medically could I was not going to be able to get on the air and I felt bad because we were waiting so long for Max versus Brian. There was so much news coming out. And I was sitting there. And um, so I do apologize. But we are closing the year out strong. We got a lot going on. And we will be announcing some things going on toward the end. And we'll let you know all about that. But Kayla, those times are not here yet. Tomorrow night we have something very exciting. Can I tell you, are you sitting down? Yes. So, guys, tomorrow night you can catch myself at Smash Global in Hollywood. It is the night of champions. Four weight classes for Smash Global. Four title fights. And you will see me both inside the cage and backstage doing interviews. 
And of course, I can't get an event done without the number one co-host in the world, Miss Kayla Beatty. So Kayla, I cannot wait to be there with you. I am so excited. What about you? I'm very excited for this fight night and to see you do your thing um, in the cage, doing the after fight interviews. I just have to figure out what I'm wearing because I still don't have a dress. <laughs> oh my gosh. Stressing. Is it gonna be, it's, it's difficult. It's going to be a game time decision. It's okay. You're going to knock. You always do. You always say this and you still always knock it out, Kayla. Well, I, I duh. Kind of... Oh my <laughs> Anyways, G, uh, it's going to be a good y'all time. Y'all see what I deal with every week. <laughs> Anyways, it's going to be a good time. Where can the fans check out how fresh we look tomorrow night? Oh, my gosh. Fans, you can find me all the time at Double G on TV. Kayla, where can they find you? They can find me at fangirl underscore MMA. All right, guys. We'll be back next week.